That'd be amazing. Yeah, so, right, because Zach won five episodes, or six at this point, he, he's also qualified for the tournament. Oh, tournaments. that'd be... And he'll probably be in the same tournament as I will be in. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to taking him down in the finals. Yes! Getting my revenge. Yes, I love Jeopardy shit talk. One, two, three, Right, another day in paradise. It's been a while, but I am back with another episode of a very interesting podcast by the Heckler. Great guest today. I know a lot of interesting, fun, smart people, and sometimes you get surprised when you're someone you don't know super well emerges as extremely smart, interesting, funny, all that stuff. My guest today is uh, he recently ended his run as a seven-time Jeopardy! champion. He won more than $160,000. His name's Brian Chang. He's a friend and actually a client. My full-time quote-unquote real job is as a real estate agent, and I worked a few years ago with Brian to help him purchase a gorgeous condo here in the lovely city of Chicago. And uh, Brian and I were trading some texts or messages a few weeks ago, he's like, hey, keep an eye out on uh, Jeopardy for January, t- January 19th, familiar face. I was like, oh, man. And it was awesome. We talked about some of his run. There were a few viral moments. There was a crazy tiebreaker. There was there were some embarrassing moments, and there were lots and lots of social media trolls, which you wouldn't expect a show like Jeopardy to have a lot of social media trolls, but they do. If you go to Jeopardy's Facebook page, you will see these trolls in action. It is pretty epic. There are a lot of fun, supportive people, but also a lot of, I don't know, dickweeds, whatever we want to call them. A lot of assholes. So yeah, uh, here's my conversation with Brian after a quick break, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. All right, uh, I'm back at it with my podcast. For now, I'm calling it a very important podcast by The Heckler, partially because starting with the letter A, has it come up higher when you're looking alphabetically at podcasts you're subscribed to, but also because I don't really know what to call it. I was calling them wellness checks back when we were on lockdown, and I was checking in with as many people in my network as possible. Interesting people, the boring ones I didn't check in with. But I have a very interesting guest today, my friend, uh, and we might talk about this, my uh, real estate client, uh, Brian Chang. Uh, Brian, thank you for joining Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Brad. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I appreciate that. Brian, why don't you explain what just happened? I'm not even, I, I, I'm not even going to try to say. Yeah, I was on Jeopardy. I taped uh, my episodes back in the beginning of December, and I had the fortune of winning seven episodes uh, before I was dethroned last Thursday. That's amazing. So I was, well, first off, are you sick of talking about this yet? No, I, I love Jeopardy, and I'm glad that people are getting excited about Jeopardy. Um, I was worried that after Alex Trebek passed away that there would be a drop-off in interest in Jeopardy, mm-hmm. especially because, you know, you've got a new host, and um, and it's network TV, you know? It, like, people are into the Netflix and the Hulu thing, and right. watching a syndicated show isn't always on the forefront of people's minds. But I'm glad people are still into Jeopardy and are still watching. Yeah. 
That's cool. So, so you're not tired of talking about your, your rain. Uh, cause it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, where does it rank it in terms of like, when you think of like the coolest experiences in your life, other than being on this podcast, other than being on this podcast, it's gotta be the, the highlight. And I think in particular, it gave me something constructive to do during COVID. I auditioned sort of in the middle of the, um, the shutdown and, uh, got to do a lot of prep for the show. Um, during a time when, you know, I wasn't seeing a whole lot of people and the prep helped me stay in touch with friends who were interested in helping me prep for the show. But overall, the experience was just insane. I, I, I had a blast. Oh, it's amazing. So you were a seven-time winner. You didn't talk about your your winnings. What was that total? Oh, gosh. I It was $160-something thousand dollars. I'm not oh, entirely like sure you, what the... Oh, like you don't know down, down, to the, is, but... down to the last dollar. You really don't know? I, I really don't know. Oh. It, first two members are one and six. <laughs> I can look it up. I, I, I can't do uh, and I should have if I was actually a decent interviewer. <laughs> I, I, I'm letting you do <laughs> no, all. That's all right. I'm letting you do all the. Yeah, I'm letting you do all the hard work here. And I I was doing some research before this, trying to find all-time winners ranked by the number of of shows won. The best I could, the best I could find was in like as of 2019, the I think like 10th or 15th longest that was where the the list ended was like nine. So you're. I mean, seven is, I mean, obviously it's impressive, but it's also impressive historically. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm the 30th person, I think, to uh, win seven or more episodes. That's, and I mean, the show's been around since the early 70s? Uh, you know, I should probably know that. Well, <laughs> what, the one, one thing I researched is that they used, back in the day, not all that long ago, like late 90s, early 2000s, they ended this, they cut you off after five. So you could only win. Yeah, five. they cut you off after five, and they gave you. I don't remember if it was one car or two cars, but they said, "All right, you're done. Um, you, you've you've run out your clock, and here's some uh, cars." And, <laughs> here's uh, a go car. Away. That's amazing. Yeah, that's 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 pretty impressive. Were you surprised by your success? Oh, for sure. Like my number one goal on Jeopardy was to just not finish in the negative going into Final Jeopardy. Because <laughs> um, then you aren't allowed to be on camera during Final Jeopardy, and you sort of have to do a walk of shame. Right. And everyone's, and, everyone's watching you do the walk. Yeah, of shame. and they and they like shat, um, they shadow out your your uh, your stand, so it's like it, it it feels almost like it's in memoriam at that point. Exactly. Right. So I was just really trying to avoid doing that, and I thought like, boy, if I'm lucky enough to win even one game, that would be amazing. Um, and everyone who makes it onto the show like has the chops to win a game. Yeah. A lot of it just comes down to luck. Sure. Yeah, I that's that's I think you sell not you're not that you're selling yourself short, but like it's more than just luck, but I I I understand what you're saying. So you you tape these and 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 I'm I'm I want to talk about some behind the scenes things, but but I was surprised when I was reading about your success that they they tape 5 episodes in a day, right? Yeah, this was something I didn't know until I started like really prepping for the show. Uh it's all this like cool TV magic where yeah, an entire week's worth of episodes are taped on one day, and the only, um, I, not a giveaway, but the o only way they uh, they demarcate the passage of time is that both the host and the returning champion change clothes, right, to give the illusion that time has passed. So you have to, if, if you're if you're the morning, the first recorded episode, you have to bring five changes of clothes. Yeah, exactly. And that, and like some people, that must be really a shitty feeling when they're like going home with a full suitcase and they're like, oh, I, I got bounced, I got bounced it after the first episode. That'd be kind of a walk. Yeah, it, it feels sort of, of sad, right? Like there's there's people who have like these huge garment bags full of 
I, I'm sure, like, carefully chosen outfits. and um, <laughs> at, at least they got to wear one, which, which is <laughs> Right. Um, so, you, so you taped these back in December. How difficult was it not to tell anyone how you did until everything was unfolding uh, a month and change later? Yeah, the show is really clever. Uh, they say that if anything gets leaked onto social media, they won't pay you. Ah. And I thought, well, I, I would like to keep my hundred and sixty odd thousand dollars, so <laughs> yeah. probably better not to not to advertise the fact out there. Yeah. So but was it I mean, was it sort of like killing you? I mean, did you did you tell anybody? Um, or... no, I didn't really tell anyone. I like I, I told my parents I went on the show and they said, How'd you do? And I said, Um, you know, pretty well. Um <laughs> check it out. That's amazing. You alluded to it a little bit, some of the behind you, you were surprised and I was surprised to learn that they taped five in a day. That, that seems crazy to me. That by, by the fifth, what, what slot were you when you started that, that day? Yeah, I was the second episode, which was, I think probably the best draw. I got to watch one episode, which helped sort of settle my nerves. Mm -hmm. Um, and in watching that episode, I thought, Oh, like these contestants are really good, but like, I think I'm in at least the same ballpark as they are. Um, like I wasn't scared, yeah. I think, and that helped my nerves for the second episode. Yeah, it's not it's not like you were like the high school basketball team and you're sitting there watching the other team warm up and they're all like doing like reverse dunks or something and and you're like, you know, can't even touch the net. You were like, all right, I can I can hang with these guys. Right, exactly. Exactly. Uh and I also so one of the really cool things and I got to partake in t in two of these was you were doing live Zoom watches with your not live well i guess it was a live zoom session but you were watching a recorded version of the show that the night that it aired uh that was really cool and it seemed like you i mean a, a couple of them some of the past some of the other contestants your your opponents were on it seemed like you were were able to kind of strike up a rapport with some or all of them right yeah i think there's a camaraderie to being on the show it's it's this unique experience that not a whole lot of people have gotten a chance to do uh -huh. and so as a result people um people stay in touch after the show and um there, there's like a little bit of a alumni network there's like a facebook group for people who have been on the show oh no kidding um, and, and when you're meeting guests uh, other or your opponents uh, other contestants are you kind of also like sizing each other up i think there's a little bit of that but I, I feel like it's more of just this like common bonding moment where we're like, hey, we're all here to sort of fulfill our lifelong dreams of being on the show, and like, isn't that neat? And it's just something that we get to bond about. Right. Are there any other behind-the-scenes things that you were really surprised to learn? Yeah, the the show gets taped like pretty close to real time, and I that surprised me. I thought there would be a lot of like pauses in the show. Right. Um, we we take breaks during the commercials. Um, and the commercial breaks, I think, last about the same amount of time on TV as they did when we were recording. Got it. So really, the the moment goes goes by in about half an hour, um, and you sort of blink and it's over. I'm sure. I, it was weird watching the episodes afterward because I didn't remember a lot of the clues that got read. You just sort of have to concentrate on the clue in the moment, and then as soon as it's over, you're on to the next thing. Yeah, I watched. I'm trying to remember if I watched. Oh, I, I watched one by myself, and then I wa we'll talk about this episode too. But I watched it then with my wife, and I I didn't remember a lot of them from having watched it before. And I was like, I I felt, I felt like maybe I could have you know seemed smart in front of her, but uh, no, no go. You talked about Alex Trebek's passing, and you taped this after that with Ken Jennings as the guest host. Um, 
when did you find out that you were scheduled or that you that you had been accepted and that your date was I'm assuming that was before Alex Trebek passed away. No, I I auditioned before um before Alex passed away and they said, "All right, you're going to be in a general pool for the next 18 months. Mm. We may call you, we may not call you. Um but we'll let sh- let you know if you make it onto the show." Um, so I was pretty excited about that, but I think the chances of making the show, given the audition, are something like one in six. Okay, even so if thought, you make like, it, oh, well, even this if you would be cool keep, if it happened. Even if they tell you, like, if they sorry, if they tell you that you that you qualified for that pool, mm-hmm. does that mean that you've kind of like passed the audition, or that's just like coming out of the audition? Do you pass the audition? That's you passed enough where you're in a like big pool, but only one in six people in that big pool actually make it onto the show. Got it. Okay, that had to suck. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I can see so why. a lot of people yeah. who have been on the show have gone through this process many, many times before they actually get onto the show. Mm, and you were a one, um, you were a one and done. I was one and done. Nice. Um, so very fortunate in that regard. But I remember when um, Alex passed away in November. I thought, boy, that sucks. Obviously, like he's a legend. But also, I thought, all right, well, the show is clearly going to pause for a while, mm-hmm. and I don't think I'm going to get called. Yeah. So you um, okay? And then I finally got called right before Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, and and that was really exciting. And then and then they do they call you with a date or do they? How does that? How does the scheduling work? Yeah. During COVID, they were a little I think more flexible. So they asked me whether I was um, willing to fly out to California and available to fly on a couple of dates. Um, and I said I was available for all of them. And um, and then they gave me a date. You're like I got my go bag packed. I got five outfits in it uh one of the things right, I, it's hard to say no yeah of course i can't imagine i mean unless you have like you know a lot of commitments or something and, and most commitments i would think would be like oh you can definitely reschedule your dentist appointment because you're going to be in jeopardy um, right exactly yeah one of the things that was really funny i noticed when i was on the second zoom was that you wore the matching outfit uh for the zoom call that you had on in the episode that was that was pretty clever on your part i really enjoyed that Oh, thanks. I, I just thought it would be cool to have some parallelism between what I was wearing on the show and on the Zoom. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, I'm really glad I got to do the, the Zooms. I think ordinarily during non-COVID times, people have big watch parties at their house. Yeah. Um, which is something I would have liked to get to do. But the advantage of the Zoom, obviously, is that uh, my friends out in California and in other cities got to participate, which was really nice. Right. You do have a gorgeous house, I might add. As you know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for helping me find it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um you had some pretty epic viral moments as well. The first one, I didn't really understand what it was. But that was your final Jeopardy answer or question, I guess. We're going to get into that answer question thing in a second too. But um, can you explain that? Yeah. Um, so Ken Jennings won 74 episodes on Jeopardy, which is just an incredible feat. No one has come close to winning that many episodes. Um, and the end of his very long run was a question in which the correct response was H&R Block, but he wrote um, – what did he write? FedEx. Uh, Fed, he wrote FedEx. what is FedEx yeah. instead of H&R Block. Yeah. Um, what an so idiot. I had thought, what hey, an idiot. If I don't know the answer in Final Jeopardy and I'm just searching for an answer, it would be fun to like do a little callback, like a little homage to his greatness and say, um, what is H&R Block? And I thought – it would be this like tiny moment where he gets a little chuckle out of it, and he's like, oh, that's funny, haha. And that would be that. I never thought it would go viral. Right. Well, and I, I didn't understand the joke. I didn't know that, that was what he missed out on until I saw the headlines 
I think either later that night or the next day. And I, I, I first I thought it was a reference to like you know him having such a huge uh, winning, such huge winnings that he had to you know hire an accountant to to help him with all the tax uh, you know liabilities with that. Right. that. So I thought oh, that's kind of funny. But then I saw what it really was. And I was like, oh my god, that's pretty epic. Uh, but the uh, Twitter Nation I think was pretty mixed on on how they felt about, or not, yeah, Jeopardy Nation on Twitter was pretty mixed about how they felt uh, about that. Um, and I want to talk about Twitter trolls and, and uh, Facebook trolls in a second. What? So you had a, you had several other viral moments. One of them was a, an, an answer or a question that no one got correct that everyone thought should have. Can you talk about that one? Yeah. the It was a $2,000 question where they showed a picture of Dave Chappelle, and basically the clue was identify this person from the picture. Um, and this was probably the most embarrassing thing that happened to me on the show. I thought, gosh, I've, I've watched the Dave Chappelle show many, many times. Right. Um, but in, in that exact moment, I just couldn't remember his name. Well, they also uh, they I also thought, said that he was a star of a star, or he he had he appeared in A Star Is Born, which yeah, I think a lot of people didn't remember him as. I mean, you know, if Ken James would have been like, he's rich, bitch, then people would have understood. Right. <laughs> so I did, but but I mean, people were like aghast at that like it it, you would have you would have thought i mean i i don't normally chime in but i saw some people on facebook and twitter like just destroying you guys for this and i I had to chime in on some of this stuff because to me it's like yeah you're not the one on tv right now everyone thinks they're gonna get all the answers right when they're sitting at home um so and i made and i i felt bad i also made a joke then on one of the zooms about the dave Chappelle thing and i'm like shit i don't really want to take away from all the things that, that, that Brian did really well on this show. Uh, so I, I woke up feeling guilty about that and a, a couple other uh, things I partook in on that, uh, on that Zoom. Uh, and then, I mean, you definitely shouldn't. Like, I, I think that's a reasonable thing for people to be like, what is happening right now? Like, these, these three people on stage are answering some, like, pretty tough trivia questions, and they don't know who Dave Chappelle is. Mm-hmm. At least that's the way I would interpret that if I were watching the show. Sure. I think now I've got a little bit more perspective that – the things you remember when you're sitting on your couch watching at home and just shouting out answers are not the same things you remember in the moment when you have like five seconds to recall um, right. some fact, whether and, it's like what yeah. the capital of Mongolia is or who Dave Chappelle is or, or whatever. Right. I I have issues when I watch that show. Like I'll know an answer and I can't, I can't recall it. That was with your last Final Jeopardy response. I knew it was Jack Kerouac, but I could not. I, I, like, I was like, Jack, I couldn't remember his name, so. I would do terribly at that show. I don't know if it's from like too many head traumas being a tackling dummy in practice at in high school football <laughs> or what, but I would not do all that. And then you had you had one other, at least one other viral moment, and that was the tiebreaker. Which uh, do you remember which episode that was? Yeah, that was my fourth episode. It was um, me and a first year law student at Stanford who finished tied at the end of Final Jeopardy. We both went all in um, on the last clue. We both got it right. And that sends us to a, uh, a sudden death tiebreaker, which is a sort of a weird way to resolve the show. Like, um, it, it sort of ultimately came down to who could buzz in yeah. first. It was a pretty easy clue that I, I know my opponent, uh, Jack Weller, knew the answer to. Right. I just happened to be, like, a little bit quicker on the draw. Yeah. And so it's, it, yeah. it just seems sort of, like, unfair that, like, um, I, I think we both had $37,600, and... 
second place only gets two thousand dollars, which is right. like nothing to sneeze at, but still, right. essentially like thirty-five thousand dollars was decided on a coin flip. And yeah, it seems a little arbitrary, and I get why people at home think like, boy, that's not the best way to resolve this. Dude, I I wish I would have been on your Zoom call for that one, or your your Zoom watch party for that one, because I went ape shit, and I can't imagine how everyone on your Zoom was when that happened if they hadn't already seen it. Like, that was. I mean that was that was the craziest ending to Jeopardy I've ever. Seen. I mean, that really, who who could imagine something? I mean, there've only been a handful of tiebreakers like that ever. That's right. We're the third regular season tiebreaker because they used to just roll them over. Much lower dollar amounts. Yeah, they used to just roll them over to the next to the next episode, right? You both would have been returning champions. Yeah, that's what the show used to do. Um, they would say that we're both uh, co-champions, and then we both get the the money, which I, I think would have been. A, a much nicer way of doing it. Sure. Um, well, I, only... if the show can find a way to bring Jack back, I I think he was like outstanding and could easily oh, be a multi-day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great. And I think you maybe posted there was like someone wrote an article after that happened about I think it was like maybe on the Ringer about there was a contestant who he would strive for ties or something. So like they did it to like was was did you post that? Yeah, yeah. Claire McNear, who also wrote a great book about the history of Jeopardy, did a like deep dive on the history of the tiebreak and why Jeopardy decided to institute the tiebreak. Um, really good article. I encourage all your listeners to to check that out. Yeah, yeah. All hundreds and hundreds of thousands of listeners. Um, Millions. Mil- maybe, maybe. I mean, if dude, if, I'm definitely gonna post this on a few uh, Jeopardy boards so people can rip us apart for any, anything and everything we're saying. Were you surprised? You didn't really know going into it that, that Jeopardy had the kind of following on social media that it does. And people will, they are the meanest mother, I don't, out of respect to you as a Jeopardy champion, I'm not going to drop an F-bomb, but they are <laughs> really, really mean. Were you surprised by that? And, and tell me you didn't read much, if any, of what they write. Yeah, the, the producers on the show warned all of us during orientation that people are mean and don't read the comments and don't go on Twitter. Oh, they actually talked um, with you about that. That's, that's great. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it's a lot worse for female contestants than it is for male Shocking. contestants. Shocking. Um, right, as it is with like a, a lot of things. Life. In life. Um, <laughs> right. But people are really, really mean to female contestants. They were like a little mean to me, but in mostly it was like funny stuff like, oh, Brian is boring. I hate Brian. <laughs> okay, sorry. You don't have to watch. Yeah, I've I've been I've been at home learning all this shit when you've been like I guess not being born, but you're also not born. You're I mean an accomplished musician. You have a lot. You're you know you're a successful attorney. Like you're not boring at all. Like what do they expect? They also got pissed when like at the things you did that had that had any flair to them. They got angry about the H and R block, right? And like anyway, I I I I I might name this podcast I digress because I do digress uh, quite a bit. If that's the right use of that term. See, you're also so smart that I'm really like con- conscientious about like misusing words. So tell me, you didn't read comments. You know, I think by the end of my run, I stopped reading the comments. Early on, I was just interested in what people had to say, um, and I think the HR block thing happened on my first episode, and people had very, very divided reactions yes. on that. Yes. Um, and I was surprised that people even noticed it in the first place, but I think a lot of people were very protective of Ken. Um, which sure. I get. Ken's like a good guy, and um, and and people like him. Um, and people thought, oh, like Brian's just taking a shot at like the greatest of all time to like get a laugh, and like that's not cool. And I think if Ken were the sort of person who would not appreciate a joke, that might be true. But Ken's entire web presence is based on like being sort of a funny, snarky guy, yeah. and I think he. 
I think he enjoyed it. Yeah, good. I, I hope so. I mean, and occasionally he goes a little bit far. I think he's dialed that back a little bit. But there were, I think maybe before he was quite as well known as he is now, there were some when he when he was named a guest host, and you know, by a, a lot of people think he might wind up being the the new long term or permanent host. Some people dug up some things in his Twitter timeline that were, you know, maybe he took the joke a little too far. My wife tweeted about your tiebreaker, and then most people were like super uh, cool about it, but one guy linked, you know, his replies. He linked to your the 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 H and R Block Final Jeopardy response. He said, Brian. He put your name in quotes, like that wasn't your actual name. Brian has been one of the most smug and hubristic hubri- is that a, uh, Jeopardy winners that I can ever remember watching on the show. Are we supposed to celebrate this classless move? And then he linked to the to the HR block thing. And then I sent that to my sister, and she's like, "Nothing more smug than using the word hubristic." <laughs> I was like, "That's actually really right. good. That, that's actually good really word, though." Yeah, but if you're calling some, yeah, uh, great word. But I liked my sister's response. That made me feel really good. Yeah, that's hilarious. I love that. Yeah, so reading the comments is obviously awful and challenging. But I could also see how, for you know, for you, I'm assuming this is the most to to date the most public thing you've done. You know, so I could understand the temptation of, of reading them. But I'm glad to hear that you sort of got a thicker skin by the end of it. And maybe just like stop reading it altogether. I mean, yeah, I think I've got a pretty thick skin in general, and like some of them were just funny in a way where like I retweeted a couple of the the mean tweets and um <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of the the uh what is it the celebrities uh read mean tweets oh yeah like on Kimmel. on Kimmel yeah yeah um like it, it sort of disarms the the trolls but also like it's important to remember hey there's like an actual person at the other end so like you know don't be a jerk like you don't need to be an internet troll yeah yeah for sure so I guess I'm 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 denouncing trolls and I'm not gonna this isn't me trolling but I am I, I, I don't really understand why everything on Jeopardy is answer and then the actual answer is read like a question. Do you know why that is, and does that bother you? Because I think it's kind of dumb, but I also understand that without that, it's not Jeopardy, right? Yeah, it's sort of an interesting gimmick. I think the history on it was it was invented by the show's creator's wife. Didn't she Mer- thought it would be Mer- an interesting idea to not do a normal question and answer format. But to reverse it and do an answer question. Yeah. Um, I, I guess at at this point, I I no longer notice it. Like I I feel like Jeopardy is so ingrained in pop culture uh, through like SNL and whatnot. Sure. But, um, the the reverse format just like just is what it is, and I I think I'm pretty used to it. Um, it does feel a little janky when people get penalized when they forget to do the what is or who is. Yeah. Not only do you um, not get the the points or the money, you also lose lose whatever that was for. Just if you don't say you know, who is Lennon? Like, you know, I wonder, like, I thought about it too. Like if you just would have, for the tiebreaker, if you just would have buzzed in and said Lennon, they, maybe they would have like, cause sometimes they'll sort of like poke you in the, you know, they'll give you like a second to like correct yourself if you still have time left. But I, I thought about that. Like, what if he would have like, that would have, I mean, that would have been crazy, but that, that to me is, it's kind of goofy. I mean, there's just, there's some things in life that you just kind of accept them because of the way they are. That, that the thing with having to answer a Jeopardy, answer like a question is bizarre to me that's all that's just me griping that's just me that's just me shaking my fist at a cloud at the end of it ken jennings referenced uh the tournament of champions is that like how does that work yeah so i think they do the tournament of champions every two years or so they invite um the winner of the teachers tournament 
the winner of the college tournament and the 13 people who did best in the last two years ah. um, to a 15-person tournament. Uh, top prize is $250,000 and, and Jeopardy Immortality. And so Ken's pretty confident that you're – and does it go by dollars or, or number of wins, you know? It goes by number of wins and ties are broken by dollar. I think the idea is that if you win five episodes, you automatically get in. Ah. Um, if you don't get to go to the next one, then they'll just slot you in for the one afterward. Got it. So that it, it, I like that. I like that's the way that they solve for a tie, rather than like flying you both out and having you answer one question and then sending. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, but the next one's not until. Do they do them? I think you said when we talked about this earlier, they do them like on even years or something. It's every other year, right? I think it's every other year, and I uh, in my final episode, Ken said that the deadline to qualify for the next one already passed. Ah. I think the cutoff is when Alex passed away, so they're going to do one hopefully pretty soon, and then mine, I expect, will be two years from then. So did you talk to Ken Jennings off-camera at all? You know, the show is pretty particular about people who have knowledge of the clues talking to contestants. Ah. Um, this is all a throwback to, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Quiz Show, um, uh, but I'm, there was a big scandal I, yeah, back in, with it, yeah. like, I want to say the 50s, with um, with people rigging um, a, a game show, and there was a big congressional inquiry into this, and as a result, um, there's considerable federal regulations about the integrity of game shows. Like, if you um, conspire to, like, fix a game show, that violates federal law. Right. Uh, so the show's got a bunch of outside consultants and lawyers hanging around to make sure no funny business happens. That's and part crazy. of that, unfortunately, is that the contestants don't get a whole lot of time with Ken. Got it. I was just curious if he was cool. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, he seemed cool during the, the times that we talked. Um, I'm, I'm glad Ken got, like, a couple jabs back in at me to yeah. show, like, oh, you know, no, no hard feelings. Yeah, one of those was about your acapella group, right? Yeah, uh, I mentioned uh, singing these, like, one-minute clips of acapella songs in law school, and Ken said, that a minute is the perfect length to listen to acapella. He's not wrong. Like, <laughs> I, I enjoy singing, but like watching acapella can get kind of cringy. You know, it, the like head bopping, it, it's kind of weird. Do they tell you to come with with those little uh, you know snippets to talk about uh, coming out of the first break? Yeah, we had to email them in advance. Um, I, I mean, it's it's a lucky problem to have, but I there's not that much that's interesting about me. And after the first few episodes, wow. you know, I sort of started scraping you had, the bottom of the barrel. No, uh, you had you. All, they were all good. So like they they actually screened you for them. That's interesting. So then you you can't be like, uh, yo, I'm, I'm really interesting. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that 9/11 was an inside job. Like they they can't they you, so you can't like drop that sort of stuff in. Yeah, you can't drop like crazy conspiracy theory QAnon type stuff. Maybe I shouldn't say that because the QAnon crowd's gonna right. Come yeah, if you th dude, it. if you thought Jeopardy trolls were bad, just wait. Right, the QAnon people—that's that, a whole different level. Right. Well, that's interesting. I always, I always wonder about that too. Like, do do you have or do you, do you just think of them? And I, and that was also thinking that they taped once a day. Like the fact that you have to have the potential for five of those uh, just to go in one day. Like that's crazy. Yeah, it, it takes a while to, to think of them. Um, like, my first couple, I thought, like, oh, these are pretty good. And by the end, I, like, I, I don't know how Ken Jennings came up with 74. That's that's so. pretty amazing. Another thing that was really interesting was that, explain to me how your reign and how your run ended. Yeah, so um, the opponent I faced who ended up beating me is named Zach Newkirk. He's a lawyer out in D.C. And he had won four games before COVID started. And then when the COVID travel restrictions kicked in, he wasn't able to come back onto the show until um, until last Thursday. 
and he played lights out in the game against me. He like did really really well. He kept acting like he was guessing, and I think that was just a show. He told me that he like genuinely was unsure about things. Um, I mean, he's obviously like incredibly intelligent. I, yeah. I think he probably, at, at the very least, they were educated guesses. Sure. But so um, sorry, I cut you off like a shitty interview. Yeah. The, the shitty. No, no, you're I'm... good. I, I just feel bad for the the third contestant, uh, right. Jill Tucker, who like. Boy, she played a hell of a game. And she was it's... really good. She was up against 11 straight wins. Like, that's insane. And I saw he... But she was such a trooper. She was, like, super, super cool about the whole thing. She was just happy to be there. And, like, you saw her in the episode. She's super disarming. Yeah. Really, really nice. I think the judges ruled against her on some technical issue. And she said, oh, that's okay. Or did she say, um, my bad, or something? Like, she was like... Yeah, yeah, something like that. It was hilarious. Cool. Yeah. She, she did seem cool. Uh, and I, I hope that you know maybe they'll maybe they can add her back to the pool for for the future. And I hope so. Like she definitely deserves it. Yeah. And I saw Zach. Well, I didn't watch it uh, on Friday just out of sadness, but I saw Zach won on Friday, so he's back um, on Monday, which is probably when this will air if I get it edited quickly enough. But uh, uh, do you have any in, any indication? Even if you did, you can't say I'm sure. But like. He was really good. I, I wouldn't be surprised if his run continues for a while. Maybe you'll see him in the tournament champions. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So right, because Zach won five episodes or six at this point, he he's also qualified for the tournament oh, champions. That'd be. And he'll probably be in the same tournament as I will be in. So you know, I'm I'm looking forward to taking him down in the finals. Yes. Getting my revenge. Yes, I love Jeopardy shit talk. Yeah, dude. That oh, I didn't even think of that. I can't yeah, wait. it's it's gonna be fun. Seriously. But Zach and I have formed a friendship after the show. Like like we have a lot in common. We're both lawyers. We're we've we're around the same age, uh-huh. um, so it's hard to like root against him. But um, you know, in, in the tournament of champions, all bets are off. Oh, I'm I'm gonna root against them for sure. That so that'll be in 2022. So now I have like something to look forward to in like a year and change. That's awesome. Perfect. I'm gonna like I'm gonna put that up like on my wall somewhere. So every day I remember that I have something to look forward to in 2022. Who else can say that other than you and Zach and your friends? Done. Yeah, I think so far me and Zach are the only ones who have qualified for that tournament. So, uh, you know, gotta gotta brush up, and it's sort of tough. Like after you've been on the show, the last thing you want to do is like study more for Jeopardy. Right. Um, like I'm I'm just not going to do that for at least. A year, what does studying entail? Um, I like the best source I think is looking at old Jeopardy clues. There's a website that archives all the old clues. Yeah. Um, Jeopardy tends to ask about similar things. You know, presidents, world capitals, geography, literature, that sort of thing. Um, and, and you get a sense from looking at the old clues, the sorts of questions that get asked, and um, you sort of develop a knowledge base that way. I think people who watch the show pretty religiously get a really, really good sense for it and sure. get a much better idea of when they should buzz and try a guess and when they should just remain silent. As the, as the categories are being unveiled, how, how, does, how, does your, how do your emotions are, are kind of like adjust during that? Yeah, I definitely have good categories and bad categories, and uh, I'm I'm pretty aware of what my good categories and bad categories are. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one final Jeopardy where the category was, I think, the Wild West, and I thought, boy, that is not a good category for me. Yeah, I'm just not really into westerns. I don't know a whole lot about the Wild West. And that was that the one about the capital? No, that that was there was a capital cities one about two western cities, and I was not remembering that Carson City was uh, the capital of Nevada, so I was way off on that one. That was, I think that yeah, was... the Wild West one was um, like these two dudes mm. with like notable hair died within a few days of each other. Right. Um, and I got one of the two guys, but um, I think it was Wild Bill Hickok and uh, General Custer. 
Yeah, that's right. Because um, I, I envision it as the categories are being unveiled. Have you seen Billy Madison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I envision it like that, where it's like, you know, business ethics, and and then like you know, and then and then you know, flaming, flaming poo and the human response, and like I'd be going <laughs> nuts at that one. But then it'd be like Copernicus, and I'd be like, ah, shit, like, I'm not gonna get anything with that. Um, not that that'd be a category, but you know what I mean, like yeah, whatever. That I was I was kind of wondering about that because I could see someone having a great game if they sort of lucked out and and had things that kind of hit their you know their sweet spots but then like the next game it's all flip side stuff and you don't even you know you have no idea what you're what you're up against but yeah we talked about this a little a lot of it just sort of comes down to luck whether those are categories that agree with you or disagree with you right Um, a lot of contestants really really dislike classical music and opera categories Uh Um, because i'm a musician those tend to be better categories for me Uh Um, so that's like one area of strength yeah you had many areas of strength dude uh, oh, you're you're very kind. I, you were, I, I don't. Yeah, so, right? I did so many fist pumps. Like like the you had the Heisman Trophy, uh, Daily Double, uh, dude. The, oh, I I I might go back and rewatch these. I it, it, it's either that or like old episodes of Sopranos right now that I'm like playing in the background when I'm working. So I might have to I might have to dig up your episodes and watch them again because it was it was a thrilling ride, dude. I don't remember whether I told you this for the Heisman. I really wanted to do the Heisman pose, but then I thought, oh, if I'm wrong on this, <laughs> like the internet's just gonna. Like then yeah then you would have gone super, murder me you would have gone super viral yeah if you do the Heisman, right, you do the Heisman the pose and they're like actually the award is the gold glove I'm like oh shit right <laughs> right and this loser has like done the Heisman pose like what what a what a tool <laughs> yeah that's definitely that's definitely celebrating before you're in the end zone to keep to keep the uh, football analogy going well cool man I really appreciate you taking the time you you and I had traded messages. I don't remember if it was for your birthday or something, but it was like a couple weeks before you went on and you told me to, you know, keep an eye on Jeopardy for a, you know, a familiar face. Uh, on I think it was the 19th maybe you started. So I marked my calendar. I told my mom because my mom watches that show religiously. And then a lot of other uh, extended friends, the, the friend who in, introduced us, Joanna, uh, we all really enjoyed watching you and, and got a real, uh, you know, a real kick out of, out of your success. And, you know, I look forward to our paths crossing in person someday pre or if it's pre-covid we'll be uh socially distanced and if it's post uh you know maybe we'll be back to being able to do like like actual high fives or handshakes because i really want to i really want to at least pat you on the back after this uh this successful run it's, it was a real highlight for for me as someone who uh you know considers you a friend so uh, congrats on that man it was awesome well likewise I, I can't wait to see you in person cool there you have it my friend Client and seven-time Jeopardy champion, Brian Chang. Interesting dude. I think he sells himself a little short often, but maybe that's the key to his and other people's brilliance is to, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe be a little, uh, little humble about it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to try to get back in the swing of doing these with more regularity. So please download, share. Uh, link, subscribe, all that good stuff, because uh, I would really appreciate it, and uh, I, I hope that uh, you know I keep keep these going and have some fun with it. So uh, take care, and until next time. Thank you very much for listening to a very important podcast by the Heckler. Our producer is Drew Worley. The intro music is by a band called Games. The outro music is by Checky Brown, and I'm Brad Zabung. 
Thank you very much for listening. And for more information, check us out at thehackler.com.